Well, welcome to the Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgiev. Thank you so much for spending your valuable time with me. And before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to my wonderful Patreon supporters. Your multi-leveled support means the world to me and this podcast would not be possible without you. Thanks also to all who subscribe, like, and share. And for those who reach out to me, I really enjoy the individuals who follow the Black Madonna Speaks. You're all quite extraordinary human beings who make our current times interesting, creative, and help us all with your many, many gifts that you so generously share. A brief announcement regarding the In Search of Sacred Origins, the Golden Heart of Africa trip with Sophia Services. And this is under the leadership of Sarnia Guitton. We're all set to begin the trip on the 12th of September, 2023. I'm also pleased to announce that I will be giving a series of talks in Johannesburg, South Africa, for the Christian community of Johannesburg at the Church of Lazarus. I will also be addressing the Anthroposophical Society of Johannesburg. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more details on dates, times, and locations. If you would like to receive the materials from all the talks in South Africa, as well as the In Search of Sacred Origins trip, you can receive them for a one-time donation of 100 US dollars to my PayPal account listed in the program notes. For those of you who cringe at the notion of PayPal, no worries. They take credit cards if you do not have a PayPal account. This offer will be available until September 15th, 2023. You will receive the materials after they are presented during the tour. For this episode, we will be exploring a Spanish Black Madonna known to the Locos and Yeres of Andalusia, Spain. Spanish Black Madonnas have very special characteristics in that they involve the turbulent history of the Iberian Peninsula, especially in regards to the history of Christianity in the region. Because of its geography, Spain has quite a bit of coastline and is the gateway to the Mediterranean. The Iberian Peninsula has always been a melting pot between Africa, Arabia, and Europe, and then, during the Age of Exploration, the Americas. The Romans, religious such as Catholicism and Islam, and the military dictatorship, all have had a paralyzing effect on the soul development of the Spanish people. The positive response to all of this was a mainly artistic response, and it's a fusion in areas such as architecture, painting, sculpture, and music. This fusion is also noted in the cuisine, which is a very interesting mix of American, European, and African. The religion of the Iberian Peninsula is also interesting, mainly because of the Islamic domination of the territory before the High Middle Ages. In the early days, before the Crusades in the Holy Land, the Islamic occupiers were not interested in converting anyone to their religion. According to Sharia law, people of the book, which are Jews, Christians, and Muslims, were all okay and to be respected. 
Jews and Christians in Muslim lands simply had to pay a special tax to continue to worship as they pleased, and the local sultans saw both groups as sources of revenue. As Roman Catholicism became more powerful and homogenous, it sought to stamp out other forms and approaches to Christianity. Christians who did not want to follow Roman approaches actually preferred their Islamic rulers who cared nothing for dogmatic arguments and debates raging at the Vatican and in Constantinople. If a certain group of Christians under the authority of an Islamic sultan wanted to sing or believe a certain way, not a problem as long as they were on time with their taxes. Because of this, the rites and music of the Iberian Peninsula were very different, and they were called Mos Arabic, which would later be discouraged and eventually suppressed by Rome when Christian rulers took over the entire peninsula. It also be it, it is also because of the centuries of Arab Islamic domination that Spanish Catholicism took on such a violent, triumphal, and nationalistic approach to Christianity, with terrible inquisitions, ethnic cleansings of non-Christian populations, and this especially occurred in the 1500s and beyond. The only official religion in Spain has been Catholicism. Other religions were opposed by the Catholic Church. There are small examples, however, of the coexistence of Catholicism, Judaism, and Islam, for instance, in Toledo in the Middle Ages. Mysticism, mysticism also needs to be mentioned here, and the mystic Teresa of Avila to whom Rudolf Steiner referred to as one of the first representatives of the consciousness soul. There's a very special quality to mysticism in the Iberian Peninsula. There are, in my opinion, two fronts of Christianity in Europe, that of the Iberian Peninsula and the other, the Balkans. The Arabs besieged Constantinople until its fall in the mid-1400s, through these constant battles across the Byzantine Empire, Islam knocked on the door of Christian Europe. They wanted to force their way across Eastern Europe towards Middle Europe. On the other hand, Islam spreads across the north of Africa and then into Spain. It takes hold of Europe, as it were, from the other direction, by way of Spain. The original incursions into the Iberian Peninsula started in the 700s. The Islamic forces occupied much of the peninsula territory, which had been ruled by various kingdoms such as Aragon, Castilla, Leon, and Navarre for nearly 800 years. The battles between the Christians and the Islamic forces raised, raged with both sides claiming victory through various periods for this entire time, meaning sometimes the Islamic forces prevailed and sometimes the Christian forces prevailed. But in the West, we call this long process the Reconquista. In terms of the Black Madonna, this entire time of the Reconquista is a time 
of hiding Black Madonnas, of rediscovering Black Madonnas, and ultimately of honoring them through various methods. Our crowned lady of mercy is a witness to all of these interesting aspects of the convoluted history of what is now Spain. Our lady, the one that we will be focusing on in this episode, is in the Basilica Nuestra Señora de la Merced in Juarez de la Frontera, Spain. Known to locals as simply Jerez, it is a city and municipality in the province of Cadiz in the autonomous community of Andalusia in southwestern Spain. It is located in the Campania de Jerez, midway between the Atlantic Ocean and the Cadiz Mountains. After the collapse of the Western Roman Empire, the Vandals and Visigoths ruled the area until the Umanid conquest of Hispania in the early 8th century. In the 11th century, it briefly became seat of an independent taifa. Some years later, Abdun Ibn Muhammad united it across de la Frontera and ruled the entire region between 1040 and 1053. In 1053, the area was annexed to, to Sevilla, and from 1145 to 1147, the region of Arcos and Yedas briefly operated as an emirate under the dependency of Granada, led by Abdul Qasim Ahayal. Later, the Almohads conquered the city. In the 12th and 13th century, Yerez underwent a period of great development, building its defense system and setting the current street layout that is still, to this day, existing in the old town of the city. In 1231, the Battle of Yerez took place within Yerez, hence the name. Christian troops under the command of Alvaro Perez de Castro, Lord of the House of Castro, and grandson of Alfonso VII, King of Castilla and Leon, defeated the troops of the Emir Ibn Hud, despite the numerical superior of the latter. After a month-long siege in 1261, the city surrendered to Castile, but its Muslim population remained. It rebelled and was finally defeated in 1264. So all of this history, you will not be tested on, but at least if this comes up in jeopardy, you'll have some sort of reference and you can talk to the television. But anyways, the first legends surrounding Our Lady, the crowned one of mercy, involved St. Peter Pasqual, and he lived between 1227 and approximately 1299-1300. Now, St. Pasqual was a Mozarabic theologian, bishop, and martyr. 
According to the legend surrounding Our Lady, Pasquale opened a monastery of mercy outside the walls of Jerez in 1268. He was taking up the call from an earlier saint, St. Peter Nolasco, and Peter Nolasco had a vision of the Virgin Mary who asked him to found missions to tend to and ransom slaves who had been taken by the Arab invaders. Now, wealthy families could afford the ransoms, but the poor had to remain in servitude. The Virgin identified herself as mercy and asked Nolasco to not only tend to and work to free the slaves, but also to evangelize and serve the poor in general. When the group of mercy monks later, under the guidance of Pasquale, was planning to open its first mission outside Jerez, the city council assigned a field where they could start construction. It seems permits were also a thing in 1268. There had been an abandoned tile and brick factory that needed to be demolished for the new mission on the field that was granted to the monks. And so in the midst of this construction and demolition, workers found a small niche with the image of Our Lady of Mercy inside. It was noticed upon the discovery that the Virgin was quite black. And it was considered then that she was darkened by all the fires for making the bricks and tiles. For obvious reasons, the workers immediately reported their discovery to Pascal. He proclaimed that the discovery was manifest proof that the Queen of Heaven, the Virgin of Mary, would protect the future monastery and its mission. The Black Madonna was given due reverence and devotion in a temporary shrine until the monastery was completed. She was placed behind the main altar as a symbol of divine mercy and was known to all as our crowned Lady of Mercy. In 1270, she was seen from thenceforth as the patroness of Jerez. There's another legend about Our Lady that is similar to many other Black Madonna narratives. And this legend places her discovery later and has her being placed in a church of a neighboring town, which had been recaptured by Christians. In a few years, the Muslims reconquered their lost town, and the Christians, fearing reprisals, fled to neighboring Yerez. An unknown man decided to take what would be known as our crowned Lady of Mercy to Yerez for safekeeping. He took the image to the Monastery of Mercy and asked if she could stay there for safekeeping. The monks agreed and placed her on a pedestal in the sacristy of her church. That night, neighbors alerted the monks that there was a glowing light coming from their sacristy. Fearing that the church had caught on fire, the monks ran to see if they could remedy the problem, but instead of a fire, they were greeted by the image of Our Lady glowing and illuminating the entire church. Now, if this was me, I would be rather awestruck, to say the least, but apparently in the mid-1300s, this was not such an unusual occurrence. 
According to this legend, it happened several nights in a row, prompting the monks of mercy to take the phenomena as a sign that Our Lady wished to stay in the church, especially since the man who brought her never returned to get the statue. She was then placed behind the main altar. I'm not sure which one of these narratives I find more delightful and amazing. And apparently the chroniclers of Yerez decided to document both stories, as historians have noted. I guess it's up to the individual which one can be considered as true, if either. In any case, it does show the resilience and miraculous nature of this Black Madonna. Her next entry into the history books came in the years of 1599 through 1600, where there was an extreme drought in the region. Her image was taken on a procession through the countryside to implore the elements to create rain. This action is usually taken for things like plague, but it did the trick because shortly after the procession, the rain finally came. She was honored and sought by pilgrims until the 19th century, when those pesky anti-Catholic Napoleonic soldiers wrecked havocs on places of worship. The monastery was converted to a military hospital, and Our Lady was hidden on numerous occasions from the Enlightenment soldiers that liked to destroy religious artifacts. The monastery was not officially reopened as a monastery until 1940. Our Lady was canonically crowned in 1960. Her feast day is on August 15th, the day of Mary's assumption into heaven. Now she is honored with a procession and festivities on every year, September the 24th. Much of the original statue has been worn down by various offense and the clumsy attempts to dress and crown her. But the essence of Our Lady lives on in the repaired image that continues to inspire countless pilgrims and faithful people to this day. There's so many aspects of this story that are very actually timely now this endurance through various political upheavals, uh, the hiding, the transformative nature of the Madonna, and the healing aspect of the Madonna. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Now this is Stephanie Georgia saying thanks again for sharing your valuable time with me. Another grateful nod to all my Patreon supporters, one-time donors, and for those who like, subscribe, and share this podcast. Again, if you would like to receive all the materials for my upcoming talks and workshops in South Africa and Namibia, please see the link below on how you can make that happen. Until next time, blessings on your journey.